Welcome to the Entre Pastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. This is a show where we take two words, the word entrepreneur and the word pastor, and we cram them together to create a new word called Entre Pastors where we help pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. My name is John Sanders. I'm one of the co-hosts, along with my friend and partner, Les Hughes. Les, welcome, my fellow Entree Pastor. Well, what's up, John? Man, that makes me smile hearing you say that. Those are two of our favorite words combined to make another one of our favorite words. Yeah. So um, that makes me uh, that makes me feel pretty good to hear you say that. Yeah, I was in a meet and greet with uh, a guy the other day, and... We're just getting to know each other. He's not a pastor. He's not in our world. And so as we were sharing a little bit of our lives and what we do and how we serve people, I shared the word entree pastor. He looked, he, as I was talking, he was on a computer. It was a Zoom call, so not like a you know formal event. But anyway, he was he was looking us up online. And so he had our website up in front of him. And I said, oh, entree pastors. And I said, do you get it? Like, do you see, you know, do, do you get what that means? And he did. He figured it out pretty quickly. So it makes sense that's in that, most people. That's world. awesome. That's awesome. Man, Les, we truly do like to help pastors do better financially. Uh, we deal a lot with questions around mindset when it comes to money uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, we want to help pastors launch businesses. We don't think the average pastor out there is just killing it financially. And uh, usually it's the other end of the spectrum. They're barely scraping by. And, we want to help them do better, uh, so we deal with a lot of conversation around money and wealth, and that leads to the title of this week's episode, episode number 75, How to Live a Rich Life. We're going to have a conversation about what it means to be rich, and uh, I just want to acknowledge right out of the gate here, Les, that that might be enough to trigger some people, depending on your... Uh, <laughs> you think? Yeah, depending on your upbringing in the Christian church and you know your church circles you grew up in like that word rich might mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people so Les, I'm, can i just ask you well i don't know let's ask our audience before i ask you i'll ask you at the end of our conversation all right um but I, let to, me share could i share yeah, jump I in share go ahead before you ask the yep. question because here's anecdotal proof like we don't have you and i as we're having this conversation we know how much this just is it permeates this whole world. Not it's our world, but the world that we're in too. I mean, my goodness, I've lost. I, I've lost count. There's no telling how many times I've heard this phrase or something like it. Well, you know what? It's not like I got into the ministry to become rich. No duh. Tell me more. And what are they? <laughs> and what are they talking? About? But then, if you start asking them, we'll define rich. Define a rich life. Mm. They'll talk about the life that they have, but I thought you just said that you didn't get in ministry to become rich, mm. which proves what we know to be true. And if we have a few moments to gather our thoughts to describe what what a rich life really is, we can spiritualize it. And you know what? I get it, and I agree with a lot of that. I, we've had we just came off of a conversation with our the people in our mastermind. So hey, big shout out to them. Yeah, this is good. We're, yeah, for for giving us some some great uh, feedback and some ideas, which is really the catalyst for this uh, call or for this podcast. But can we just admit for a second that when most people say 
wealth or say rich riches or rich, most of us think material wealth. I'm not saying that's the way it should be. Uh, we, we're going to have this discussion, but that's where our mind goes. Or why? Why else would people say, "Well, it's not like I got in ministry to be to become rich." Mm-hmm. Well, we're, who says we're talking about that? Yeah, you know who who says we're talking about just material things. So, so having said that, now, well, please, ask you've me. kind of set the stage for well for this question. Then it's uh, so. Let me start with this to our audience. Can I just ask you to consider this for a moment, my friend? Are you rich? Are you rich? And let's just sit in the tension of what that brings up inside of you. If you answer yes, maybe some of you would sheepishly go, well, yes. I mean, maybe not so much financially, but I have a rich life in other ways, which we're going to talk about on our show today. But then do you feel any level of guilt around that? Is there any level of of like, ooh, I, is it okay for me to say I'm rich? Like, can I actually say that out loud that I am, hi, my name's John and I'm rich. Like, how does that sit with you to be a rich person, to think of yourself as a rich man or a rich woman? Are you rich? And if so, what does that bring up inside of you? Is that a, is that an exciting thought? Is that a life-giving, energizing, praise God, I'm rich kind of a thought? Or does that bring up a need to explain away why you're rich and what it means to be rich and, you know, who you need to apologize to for all of that? So, we're going to talk about this, and, and certainly, hopefully, you've already gotten the, the understanding. We're not just talking about money, but we're also not not talking about money. That's certainly a part of this, <laughs> and it go. drives me nuts with, with Christians and pastors. <laughs> when you talk about riches, you you got to immediately go, well, it's not just about money. Okay, right yes, away. 100%. We're going to find that, but it's also not not about money, so it's a little bit about that, too. And that's a big part of what we do with pastors is we help them get comfortable actually having some financial margin in their life. But yeah, and just the just the fact that somebody's like got to go there that quick that quickly, which they do mm-hmm. with that with that caveat, it's like, well, you know, we're not only talking about what. Well, but why do you feel like you have to say that? There's mm-hmm. something going on there. So yeah, go go ahead. But well, I I love I love this topic. Maybe it's part in part because. I'm rich in it every other way except money. I mean, I think a lot of pastors might say that as we go down our list. You know, Les and I have compiled a little list with the help of our mastermind of just what are some elements of a rich life. These are not in any particular order, but I think this is true. What I just said, Les, is that uh, probably for many pastors, there is a sense of, I have a rich life in so many other ways, I just don't have much money. And again, like, okay, great. So you are rich. Yes. But we can also help you in the area of finances. But, um, but again, if all you have is money, like we know people and and we know stories of people that are extremely wealthy in terms of their financial margin and, and assets and wherewithal, and yet fall short on many of these other elements of what it is to be a rich life and therefore are very empty. So it isn't just money. So hopefully we're clear on that. And we're also not talking about comparing, John. This is this is you, really you and God, yeah. truly. Because what's what's wealthy to myself may not be considered wealthy to someone else, and and vice versa. What's wealthy here? There's going to be a different standard of that in different countries and parts of the world. We're not talking. We're not playing that game. We're yeah. not playing the comparison game at all. This is only about what our desires and needs and mindset is around what it means to be rich. Yeah. Well, I'll say this too. I I didn't get to share this on our mastermind call, but um, 
I think the words we speak are powerful. They matter. Words, words uh, are certainly impactful. And so I say the words out loud to others that I am rich. I'll give a quick example of this in context. So, you know, I'm a full-time firefighter and we live 24 hours a day uh, at the station with, with our guys that we work with. And so you, you develop strong relationships, kind of family, and you talk about all kinds of things. But we also mess around with each other. And as you can imagine, probably happens in a fire station. But as we mess with each other, when it comes to an example that, that might uh, uh, surround money, I'm very quick to say to the guys, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, somewhat sarcastically, but I'm not really being sarcastic, you know. Uh, no problem. I'm rich. You know, like I'll say that out loud if they're, well, John's buying ice cream tonight. Yeah, I can. I'm rich. And I genu- <laughs> genuinely mean that. Like I'm, yeah. I'm I'm a rich dude. So I see myself as rich and I don't, I don't feel guilt about it. But here's some of the elements. Again, these are not, this is a list lesson I put together. No particular order. Um, well, maybe some of them we could rank in order. But um, the first thing that we put on there, and, and please don't dismiss us as being hyper-spiritual. Uh, I'm serious when I say this. Like my richness begins with my relationship with Jesus. It flows out of the fact that I'm a born-again, adopted child of the living God, forgiven of my sin. I mean, Jesus said, what good does it do a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And so the fact that God in his grace found me, rescued me from my sin, and uh, called me into his family— that's huge. That's not just a spiritual box we're checking to sound holy. Like I legitimately see everything else that I have that flows from that. Les, would you agree with that in your world? Well, not only would I agree, I would just, you know, again, like everything else, go to the scripture. And one of my favorite Thanksgiving passages is really not a Thanksgiving passage, but it is. And that's the very first part of Ephesians. There's a whole list of blessings, which is part of what a wealthy person have is you're, you're blessed. So all through there, there's just this, there's just this waterfall of all these spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. And, uh, and he uses that kind of, those kind of phrases, you know, the, the blessings, the riches that we have in Mm -hmm. him through being whatever chosen, adopted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And that's a great place to start John. And it doesn't, does it necessarily, you said something about, you know, using spiritual language. Well, that's just the language that's accurate and true, yeah, of, true. of where we are. I yeah. think what I'm trying to say with that is I'm not, I'm not trying to sound cliche or, you know, like, yeah. like I'm serious. Like my, yeah. my wealth and richness flows first and foremost out of who I am in Christ because without that, I'm nothing. And I, I don't mean that as just platitude. I'm legit when I say that. And this would be well, great- absolutely. I'm sorry for interrupting, no, you, John, but I, I'm just agreeing. And and uh, some some might say, and I sometimes I feel like, well, we sh- you know, you don't have to say that. We we know that. I mean, that's a given. Well, no, it's actually not. Yeah. And and the things that people say to us, sometimes they they would not say that we're being spiritual. It's just the opposite of that. And so, evidently, you do have to. You, you can't assume that people would just know that. And so, we want to go on record. Well, and and beyond that, I would say even for pastors, certainly for a broader community of Christians, but even those who lead in the church, uh, depending on your upbringing, if you came out of a legalistic 
upbringing where you were taught that it's about your performance and keeping God happy by how well you, you know, keep all the rules and stuff. That may be a, a revolutionary message that really it's not about what you bring to the table. It's everything about what God brought to the table through his son, Jesus. And um, that's huge, go. man. That's life-changing. When you get that identity of, I am a born-again, forgiven child of the living God. I'm not a wretched sinner saved by grace. I am an heir to the kingdom of heaven through Jesus. Not through my goodness, but through his. That's life-changing stuff, man, to get your identity wrapped around that. And when did I receive that message in my life? As a pastor, as a young pastor, as I started to get set free from some of the legalism that I was brought up in to realize that, no, this isn't about me impressing God with my goodness. So anyway, different podcast for a different day, but I'm certainly grateful for the salvation that I have in, in Jesus. The next thing we put on this list, Les, is calling. And this will this will resonate with our audience. You know, many pastors speak of a calling, and I think it's a great thing. So let's t- keep it in the context of being rich. Think how many people in the world don't operate day in and day out with a strong sense of purpose or calling. They don't even know why they're here. They don't know what the purpose of life is, let alone the purpose of their life. And um, and they so they they operate just going through the motions day in and day out. I think for our audience, largely speaking, less pastors get it. Now we can go a lot further and show where this trips pastors up sometimes because sometimes they get such a narrow definition of what that calling is, or this calling gets totally wrapped up with my identity as a pastor and the role that I am right now. Again, different conversation for a different day. But if you have a sense of calling on your life. I think you have a rich life because you you have purpose to wake up to every day. Mm. Yeah, and as a uh, an illustration of that or a description of that, one of our mastermind members I thought had a great yeah. description of uh, what it means to be rich into the category of this calling, especially. And uh, I believe it was I think we have the quote right here. It's being able to live out my purpose or live my purpose with little concern for finances. Yeah. Yeah. When, when he said that, I really resonated with that again, with our audience specifically, most pastors could check the first half of that box and go, I have a sense of calling. It's the second half where we want to come in and really help them. It's to live out their purpose, but to, to have little concern for finances. Most of the pastors we know have great concern for finances because they don't have many finances to work with. They're living on a razor thin edge of, you know, paycheck to paycheck, hand to mouth, very little margin. So they have the purpose thing figured out. And there's a lot of um, fulfillment that comes from living a life of serving God and serving others. It's that having little concern for finances. We'd love to help them get to where both of those things are a reality for them. So Les, I would contend the next one that that we have on our list is probably what dominated the majority of our conversation, and for for good reason. The next thing that we would list here, another element of a rich life, is relationships, and let's say meaningful relationships, safe relationships, trustworthy, healthy healthy relationships. I mean, that's at the end of the day, so much of our conversation came down to, do you have people in your life that will stand with you in the good times, in the difficult times, people that love you, that trust you, that believe the best about you. If you have that, if you have some of those relationships in your life, man, that's wealth right there. Yeah, no doubt. And there are plenty of examples of this in scripture. The foremost, of course, is Jesus and then the apostle Paul. 
Jesus himself didn't have a home to lay his head, but he was rich with the people that were around him. And it wasn't the crowds. It was those who was who were closest to him. And then with the Apostle Paul, even at one point in time, he had plenty of wealth, the way that most people would think of it. But the longer he lived and was writing these letters from dungeons, it's the people that he pointed out and, and thanked and thanked God for. And um, so it was really clear what was most important to him, especially the closer he came to knowing that his time on this earth was going to a close. You know, I've told the story before, but it, it's relevant here of when I was a young dad and a young pastor Two, we had two of our four, ultimately our four children at that point in time. And I was pushing a stroller with one of them in there. We were, had my parents down to visit us. So we were all four adults and these two little kids were walking into a, an agricultural museum just outside of of Jackson, Mississippi. It's called the Jim Buck Ross Agricultural Museum. And uh, the, the the namesake of that museum was actually walking out as we were walking in. We were just going there, John, because it was cheap. Mm-hmm. I didn't, we didn't have much money. I was pastor of my first church. We had about 50 to 60 people you know, in, in worship on a pretty good Sunday. And I was a full-time student as well. And my wife, Paige, is a stay-at-home mom. So mm-hmm. you can imagine what, what that life looked like. But yeah, I've seen we those were paychecks. Our, I've seen that? those. I've seen those paychecks. They're not very big. Indeed, so. you, you you feel me. Yeah. So we're walking in there as the man who the place is named after was walking out. Picture this great big guy with cowboy boots and a and a ten gallon cowboy hat, the way that Hoss on the on Bonanza used to wear. And he walked out and he stopped in front of me. And I didn't know. I knew who he was because he was a public figure and a politician in the state. And uh, he looked at me, though, and he looked at my my kiddos and he said, son, you are a rich man. Mm. And then he just kept on walking. And I was stunned in a good way. You know, I just had to had to gather myself for a moment because it it really that I could just feel my whole countenance lifted, John, when he said that. And so fast forward to now, I've really tried to pay that forward. And when we're at a at a, at a theme mar a theme park or in the middle of a of a you know a mall or something and i see a, in particular a dad a young dad kind of frazzled a, a bit and maybe even asking what in the world have you done mm. i'll i'll stop and i'll look at him and i'll say hey bro you're a rich man that's good and then i usually just smile and walk off and john it never fails i can see that guy's countenance his shoulders relax his his chest puffs out a little bit and they always smile because they know it's true yeah that's really good you know recently i was challenged and i don't remember where i i got this from it might have been our mentor dan miller that uh talks about your 3 a.m list you know um he has a theory that kind of says or a principle maybe that says you know that you should for every year of your life on earth you should have that many relationships that could be on that 3 a.m list someone that you could call in the middle of the night for advice for help for finances whatever it is then they're going to pick up the phone and they're going to talk to you now i, I probably won't pick up the phone because i sleep really hard but like in in my spirit i want to pick up the phone for you <laughs> right but i may have to get it in the morning when i wake up right but my heart would be there if, if i knew you were trying if i could wake up but anyway you know i've i've done that exercise recently and i have well over a hundred names of real people in my life that i have invested into and who have poured into me 
and where there's love and concern for one another and like real, authentic, genuine relationships. And so even though at times on my journey in recent years, I can find myself frustrated, I'm not where I want to be totally yet financially. Don't know if I ever will be, honestly. I don't know if we ever fully get there, but still room to grow there. What I can look around in this category of my relationships and say, I'm absolutely a wealthy a wealthy man. I'm a rich man because I have some incredible yeah. people in my life. And uh, and I hope they would say, I know they would say the same about me. I know there's people out there that would say, John has my back and he would he would come for me in a moment if if he knew I needed help. So that's wealth, man. That's real riches. Absolutely. The Let's next go to the one, next one. Yeah, the next one is experiences. And and I'm not just talking about things that cost money like Disney World and, you know, expensive vacations. Well, that can be part of it. And by the way, you can have those cool experiences without necessarily, you know, paying the big bucks to get them. But I'm also talking about life experiences, man. The the stuff we've learned, the trials by fire. I know we don't generally think of those as being a man, look how rich I am. But when we when we accept those as gifts of learning and you know, gifts of shaping us and molding us into the person that God is creating us to be, we can learn to have gratitude for all of our experiences and recognize it all adds up to a rich life, you know, where those experiences have taken us. That's right. You know, when I've seen even my own parents and people as they've sort of progressed in those seasons of life, I can promise you that those experiences together, back back to the relationships, those experiences with other people, making those memories to sit and talk about them and reminisce and laugh about whatever Christmas has passed or that experience of me walking in that I can promise you, man, if I had to choose between a trip to the ag museum in Jackson, Mississippi or universal studios, guess which one of those I'm going to pick. But I've been to universal studios many times. I've never told stories the way that I tell that one. That was just a rich experience mm, That's good because we appreciated it. We were doing it together. It was at a time that we, we didn't, we weren't living in a, in extravagance and we were, pretty careful about what we did, but boy, what a special time and what a special season that is. Yeah. You know, we've got a, we've got a friend of ours that uh, helps people with retirement planning and estate planning. And in, in his system, he talks about three um, kind of three phases that most people go through as they grow older. The first is go, go, where you just, you know, you've got the health and and you've got the resources to do some things. You just go, go, go. But then as you grow a little older, there's a period that it's slow go. Mm. Like you, you can go, but you can't go quite, you know, like you used to. And then I'm just kind of rushing through them. But the last one is no go. Mm. And that is where if you live long enough, there's going to be a time that you're pretty much homebound and and I like to think about that, but that can be a special season in itself for different reasons. And so what he does is he helps those people plan for those different stages and helps them know what kind of wealth to set aside so that they can enjoy those seasons for what they are. But the bottom line is you're doing though, the, it's not, it's not the experiences. It, it's not the experiences only. It's who we're doing them with. And what the context is of of when it's happening, so that we can appreciate it. Yeah. One last thought I'll share to that is, you know, I'm I, I think I'm approaching middle age. I can probably say that at 44, I'm still still on the early side of that. But I'm I'm in a different season of life than when I was just getting started years ago. And I do a lot of mentoring and working with younger leaders. And and now 
I can start to see it. And I'm sure there's other people higher up the, the age ladder that think, look at me still the same way. But it's, I recognize they just, you don't know what you don't know. Like they, I have experience that they don't have. And so from that category, it's like, I have some stuff that they don't have and they're only going to get it one way. And that's through experiencing it themselves and, you know, being mentored by others. Cause you just don't know what you don't know, but it, when you see that and get that perspective, you recognize, man, there's wealth that comes in that. I, I have some ability to avoid some things or do some things because I know some stuff that I didn't know a couple decades ago when I was just getting started. That experience has been a good teacher. That's so good. And you're, so you're talking about wisdom being a part of that, of those riches. Yeah. Cause you can only, you can only get wisdom. One of, now true wisdom comes from God. We know that God's word says that, but you can only get wisdom one of two ways. You can either experience it yourself or you can learn from the experience of others. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And if you're experiencing it, if you get it from the scripture, that's the experience of others that's mm -hmm. recorded, you know, for us to see. But that goes back. So those are those are the ways that you can grow wealthy or, or grow rich in wisdom by having those experiences. That's really good. Yeah. The next thing we have on our list is generosity, the ability to give. And and I would contend less, as I know you would too, that generosity is much more about the posture of your heart than the, you know, the balance of your bank account. And I think sometimes we fall into that trap that says, well, when I have a bunch of money, then I will be generous. When I get to this point financially, then I can give. But the reality is if we're not given when we have very little, we're, chances are good we're not going to give when we have a lot. Um, right. But this is a theme that comes up a lot, though, with us and the people we serve in our community is that, man, they want to be able to give more. So I get that, and I want to honor that. Like, yes, let's help you make more and do better financially so you're in a stronger position to give. But also, let's don't wait until we get to that stronger financial place to start thinking about giving because anybody can be generous, and generosity, I think, flows out of a wealthy heart. Uh, rich people give. You know, broke people they do. Don't give. But you they can do. be poor and still be generous. Oh, that that's a really interesting uh, uh, statement there. So let me let me make another statement or two that just sort of occurred to me. I, I don't like asking questions normally that I don't know the answer to already. All right, which, go ahead. But I'm but I'm gonna ask this I'm gonna ask this one because it's just uh, on my mind. So you think it's possible for a person to be rich who's not generous? Let me let me make a statement. I know you got to think about it, right? So, uh, I would, I would contend that I'd, I'd want to, I'd want somebody to maybe convince me otherwise, because I'm going to just make a statement that I think is true. I don't believe it's possible to be rich and not be generous. Say more. And the I reason think I'm I know saying where you're that, going, but say more. Well, the reason I'm saying that is because if you're, if you don't give anything away, then what you're, what you're saying by your behavior is I don't have enough. And if you don't have enough, you're not rich. Well, that's good. That's deep, Les. You took that to a whole there deep you level. So you're saying you can be loaded. You can be you know, loaded with all kinds of money and finance, but not be rich. Not if it's not enough. Not if it's a, not yeah. enough, if it's not enough, how can you say it's, you're rich? Mm. That's deep. That's deep. But in our in our conversation, I do want to highlight one thing because uh this is good and again, we we probably serve more of the community that's on the 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 
lesser side when it comes to the financial end of things. So uh, it was brought up, you know, in the Christian community, There's there are those, and I would contend it's the missionaries and the some of the pastors, the leaders in the movement, there are those among us who make it a badge of honor to talk about how destitute their, their lives are and how they live continuously uh, dependent upon other people. They call it living by faith. I'm not saying that God doesn't call us to those moments or to some of those seasons of life where we are on the the receiving end of the blessing. But I, I think sometimes we focus almost more on that than on the blessing that it is to be the one giving. You know, Jesus even said it's more blessed to give than receive. I, yeah. I have learned how to receive graciously, I think, that when when we went on deputation to raise our financial resources to move out here and plant a church, like I learned very quickly. I had a mentor teach me, learn how to say thank you. Learn how to receive graciously. That's good. I'm thankful for that. But I also I want to be in a position to be the one giving, you know, and not the one that is always in need with my handout saying, "Please give to me so that I can go do God's work." I want to be, you know, greatly re- rewarded financially in God's work so that I can give to others. So I don't. It's it's a deep subject, but yeah, you're you're rich if you're in a place to be generous. And man, it really is true that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Mm. And if you doubt it, try it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, another thing we have on our list, but we got a bunch of question marks by it because this is a loaded thing. Les, this is really loaded. And it's the issue of security. Um, because ultimately at the end of the day, that's kind of what we want. Like we want the ability to not have to worry about stuff and worry about our future and, and I think there's a tension here because on one side, it's that's probably good. I think there's biblical principle for storing up some money for savings and you know investment. Like that's a thing. But then there's also that give us this day our daily bread. That dependency that's taught by you know by the Lord for us to wait on Him and and look to Him as our provision. And so that whole pursuit of security in many cases is kind of a a myth anyway. And if we're not careful, mm-hmm. we turn our dependence away from the ultimate source of our provision and security, which is God or should be God. And we, we put other things in that place. So it's a slippery slope, but, but I still want to be secure. I want to have margin in my life. So how do we reconcile that? Like, let's, let's just riff on that tension for a little bit about security. Well, being, by being honest with ourselves about what it is that we really seek and, and what's possible. So it's pretty futile to be wanting things that are not really possible. So when people talk about security, there here's the thing. You will never be completely secure, except we're not talking about it in our salvation. That's a different conversation that we've addressed. So, yeah. But we're talking about financial security. As long as things can happen that you cannot control, you will never be completely financially secure. And that's all that's like never (laughs) because there are going to be things that you cannot control as, as sound as the economy might be as, as great as the current low interest rates, high interest rates, what unemployment, whatever it looks like, things can be generally along fine right now, but as long as things can happen that you cannot control, it's, it's fool's gold. Right, it's it's a false sense of security. I personally am thinking about somebody, John, that I know who who was a multi millionaire in the contract. He was a contractor back in the late two thousands. You know, you know where I'm going with this. So two thousand seven, two thousand eight yep. came along, 
literally overnight, he was just as much underwater financially as he had been on top one day before that. Yeah. Walked into a boardroom with a with a bank with a lender, thinking that he was going to be able to work this thing out because that's what he'd always done is worked it out, right? And their response around that boardroom was, "We're not here to work things out. We're we're here pretty much to take what you think what what we, what is ours." And they wow. took it all. Yep, they took it all. So he would have thought if anybody would have been secure, I would have thought maybe you know he would have been. What some some people who like the security of that consistent paycheck, what what seems like security is actually temporary consistency, mm. and that's that's not bad, man. That, right. That's a that's a good thing if you have it, but it's temporary consistency. There's really nothing secure about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just good. It's a good word just to be honest about it. Like we we desire security. We need to really keep in check who our ultimate security is in and that that, again, is not just some cliche religious platitude, but like, do we really believe that Jesus Christ is our source and supply? Um, but having said that, he's also given us some gifts and abilities to think and plan and work and apply our gifts and, you know, store up money for a rainy day and all this stuff, you know, like it's okay to have some of that. And so, um, so for me personally, I do want to have some financial margin in my life where I'm, I'm a little bit removed from the emergencies that otherwise would arise from a car repair or an unexpected, you know, broken water heater, whatever it is that it doesn't throw me into a financial tailspin. And what are we going to do? It's like, no, we're good. Like we've got the ability to cover that. So I think and it's that's possible where it comes to keep in it in perspective. Go ahead. That's right. And, and it's wise to have an emergency fund for those for those reasons. We we teach those principles. Ultimately, you said it in, in just a moment ago. Ultimately, security, it's not like it's not ava- available or possible. So we're not saying that it's not possible. We're just saying if you're talking about only financial security. So what the way I would uh summarize that, John, and you can feel free to, you know add to or, or, or push back or put it differently. But the way I think I would put it is the kind of security that we're really referring to that's, that's healthy and possible is getting to the place where we say, I believe that whatever I need, God's going to provide it when I need it. Yeah. Yeah. And then living as though that's true, you know, and, and moving yeah. forward as though that's true. Because again, we see this, I'm, this is a different podcast for another day too, but we see people that really get hung up on taking positive, healthy steps forward because it's it's flowing out of a lack of insecurity or a scarcity mentality of, I don't have it. You know, I can't see it right now. And again, we don't encourage people to go do foolish things financially, yeah. to go jump off a cliff and take an unnecessary risk. Um, but entrepreneur entrepreneurialism, that's a big word to say, does involve some degree of risk, dare I call it faith, that says, I'm going to believe in that security and that provision. Even though I don't see it today, I'm going to take steps forward in my life as though that is actually true, because I believe it is mm-hmm. true. And um, and and then see God reward that. So yeah, it's um, I like I like how we're wrapping this up here. And, and so I guess I would just bring it back to this question where we started, Les, if we can tie it up with this bow of after people hear us make this list, first of all, what would you add to the list to our listeners? You know, what are less than I missing? I'm sure there's some other things we could add to that list of what are some more elements of, of a rich life. But I come back to this question. Are you rich? 
And if not, like, did we cover something on this list that you would recognize and go, man, that is missing from my life? I've been, Pastor, can I just say this? Have you been pursuing the ministry so hard that it's to the de- detriment of key relationships in your life? You know, we we didn't talk about health. That could have been on the list, but I mean, you can mm-hmm. you can have yep. you know health issues and still be rich, I suppose. But um, but are you pursuing things at such an expense that it's you know detrimental to your physical health? So, like, what are what are those elements that maybe are missing from your life that you recognize? I need more of this in my life so that I can be rich. Because I w- I don't know about you, Les, but I want to be rich. I am rich, and I'm glad I'm rich, and I want to stay rich. So that's right. Absolutely. Great question. Yeah. Anything else before we wrap up the show for the day? Well, I would just, uh, add that, you know, as far as the relationship part is concerned and really a lot of these things we've talked about, you know, when when we mentioned the value of being in a, in a community uh, such as ours that really understand and get one another, we, when we mentioned us being in a mastermind group or ours, the ones that you and I lead, that I'm, I think I'm richer because of those relationships in there, John. 100%. And, um, yeah. 100%. And that might be a good uh, stepping point to invite people to join us for our next four day challenge that we have coming up. And Les, just to kind of peel back the curtain and share with our audience, here's kind of our strategy behind that. We want to spend four days with you, uh, helping you unpack several key elements that will bring you to a clear idea for a business of your own that you could launch. Um, And then the hope is we're going to invite you to join us for an even more extensive journey together, a four-month, what we call our Business Launch Academy. So we've got our next four-day challenge coming up in early February. I believe the dates on that are February 6th through the 9th. And uh, in those four days, we're going to really help address some mindset issues around all of this stuff that we're talking about, specifically as it pertains to launching a business and thriving financially. We're going to help you take some assessment of your own life and you know how God has wired and shaped and gifted you. We're going to lay out a couple key pathways that you can consider, You know which of these pathways would be a good fit for you, and then finally help build some strategy around that idea that hopefully is starting to come into view How do we launch this thing? So where at the end of those four days, you are clear on your idea for a business that is a great fit for you and something you're excited to go kick off and get built out in the year 2023. So Les, where do people go to sign up for a four-day challenge and how much does it cost to be involved Uh, in this challenge? It is free. There's a great price to it, John. It's free Free that's right. And and all we ask is that you come and that you participate, come with an open mind and uh, be consistent, you know, to be on those calls. But it's it is a free challenge. It's for those four days. And if you want to go and find out more information and then claim your spot, then please just look at entrepastors.com forward slash four day challenge. And four is just the number four, four day challenge. And that is hey, what you need to know. There you go. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening and being a part of our audience. We hope this content has been beneficial and a blessing to you. If there's anything that Les and I can do to be of service to you, please don't hesitate to shoot us an email, reach out to us, find us online, entrepastors.com. Join us on Facebook. We've got a community there. Just search for Entree Pastors Connect. Wherever you can connect with us, we'd be happy to get to know you, to hear your story, and to serve you in any way that we can. So until next week, God bless everyone. See you, Les. Bye.